You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, Sixers fans, welcome to a new episode of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Lots to discuss, including a report that Kevin Durant considers Philly a possible destination. We'll jump into that. Plus some comments from an ESPN insider on what he expects from James Harden for next season. And I'll tell you that the expectations are pretty high. But before we jump into it, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. You can catch us wherever you get your fix, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you name it. We are there. And of course, check us out at libertyballers.com. Joining me for this one. We haven't done this. I looked at it since June 23rd, Jackson. So we talked so much during the season. Haven't done it in a, in a couple of months here. Uh, Jackson, Frank, first off, how's everything going for you? Going well, yeah. It, it, it felt like a while. I didn't. I couldn't have given you a, a certain estimate, but that sounds about right. Six and a half weeks, seven weeks. But uh, doing well. Uh, happy to be back on the uh, back on the saddle and talk some Sixers with you. Well, it's funny, Jackson. I know you missed hearing my voice, right? So you can just admit <laughs> that too. But, but uh, uh, lots to discuss. Like I mentioned off the top, uh, we'll get into this. Thank God for Kevin Durant wanting to switch teams again because it's giving us a hell of a lot more more content to cover. Uh, the news break in this morning from Ian Begley. He's of SNY. Uh, basically talking, he's very plugged in in the New York basketball scene uh, as well with the Knicks and the Nets. So he's basically saying that Kevin Durant would consider coming to Philly, would consider a move there. Uh, no surprise when you're hearing that the Sixers would almost have to include Tyrese Maxey. Uh, again, given what we've seen from him, just in terms of his improvement from year one to year two, expecting him to be really good again next season. Uh, Jackson, you saw this stuff popping up on the timeline on Twitter. What was your first reaction into hearing? And then Frank Isola as well. He comes on ESPN's Around the Horn, uh, also hosts an NBA show on Sirius XM Radio. Uh, he kind of parroted what Begley said. And basically, yeah, the Sixers are on Durant's list of potential teams, as well as Boston, as well as Miami, as well as Toronto. We'll get into that as well in a little bit here. But just wanted to get your initial reaction when you read that piece this morning that, hey, Kevin Durant considers Philly a possible destination for himself. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe like a little surprised, but mostly because I, I thought maybe, you know, Philly might be on one of, you know, his his initial list, right, of five or six weeks ago when, when the trade request was went public. Um, you know, obviously the Sixers, and we'll get into the viability of them, you know, having the the firepower to land him, but um, I didn't think necessarily Katie's, you know, prior, prioritizing was was just based on who could acquire him and who had the best package. So um, a little surprising now, but, you know, thinking about it, it's not, totally surprised. I just thought it might come out a little sooner than, than it did. Um, but it makes sense, you know, like, even though, you know, Harden left the Sixers, it didn't, it didn't ever seem like there's any bad blood between Harden and Katie. They obviously go back to their time in OKC, their, their time, their brief time in Brooklyn. Um, the Sixers have a really good team. You know, that I know that, uh, PJ Tucker was someone who recruited, who played a big role in recruiting Kevin Durant to Texas a decade and a half ago, almost two decades ago. Um, you know, so the six have a good roster, you factor in those relationships. Um, and and the idea that like they might not have one of the two or one or two best packages necessarily, but um, they don't have a, a terrible one. So 
uh, more surprising at the, the timing of it more more than it than him being interested in joining a team that has close friends and you know with him in the fold would you know be one of if not the team to beat whether it's in the conference or, or the league overall is there anything that gives you pause to do this trade jackson you're looking at at kevin durant obviously i think to me you know one of the best to ever do it um just an unstoppable scorer a unique talent basically at seven feet and can shoot over anyone uh, we've seen him win finals mvp twice obviously a couple of championships after he joined the warriors but he's turning 34 next month um coming off a couple of injury plagued years, missed that full season uh, due to the Achilles terror that he, he suffered in the 2019 finals against Toronto, uh, still put up almost 30 points a game last season, appeared in 55 uh, outings. But is there anything that would give you some pullback on this? Because you look at it right now, even, even with James Harden, right? Like where the expectation is that his hamstring is going to be better this offseason. He's putting in a little bit more work. What we've seen from him in terms of offseason video, the Ben Simmons special, if you, if you know what I mean, Jackson. But uh, he looks good, looks lean. Uh, but also you look you look at him as well. He'll turn 33 uh, coming up in, in just over two weeks here. So is there anything on the age front that might give you some reservation about making this trade? Or if you're like, yo, we're going to get Kevin Durant, we're going all in. No, just because especially like what the – what the asking price looked to be. I know Begley didn't report anything, but he kind of speculated, but I think it's something that anyone who's plugged into the Sixers in the NBA would speculate, you know, some combination of Tobias, Matisse, Maxi, and uh, you know, maybe a, another role player or two. Obviously the Sixers don't have a lot of flexibility in terms of future picks. I think the only future pick they could actually move is the 2029 pick because you can't move a pick more than seven years in advance. Um, so no, just cause I don't, I don't think the cost would like, like, yeah, you'd sacrifice depth, but I don't think the cost would be overwhelming, you know, in the, in the sense that it might be for some other teams that have, you know, more future flexibility with their picks and maybe a little more depth in their role players. Obviously the Sixers upgrade their depth this year, but you're not looking at, you're not looking at a Celtics-esque depth, depth right now. I'm saying the Celtics shouldn't trade for them, but Celtics have, I think more kind of high level depth than the Sixers do. And so maybe you worry a little bit there. Um, but no, I mean, Tobias is a good player who clearly adapted to his role well post-trade, but um, you, you're still, you'd still obviously t- you know, trade him in a heartbeat uh, for Kevin Durant to f- help facilitate that. And Max, he's as good as he is, because I think he's going to even better going to be next year and beyond. Uh, I think he's, he's worth, you know, moving in a, in a Kevin Durant deal, even if I understand why fans have grown attached to him, maybe hesitant in, in that regard. And then obviously, Everybody knows I'm not particularly high on Matisse Seibel staying as a rotation player moving forward. So, um, like maybe you have to move a Paul Reed or Jaden Springer or or George Niang, and you're you're definitely pretty light on depth. But I just think Kevin Durant is so good, and you'd have three guys who can kind of capably be the hub of your offense, and and Harden, uh, Embiid, and KD that you would just you would be in a really good spot, and you'd still have a PJ Tucker, you still have a Anthony Melton. Um, you still have a little bit of depth, you know, whether whichever backup center maybe you're able to retain. You still have, you know, Sheik Milton for all of his issues, I think, is a fine ninth, tenth, eleventh man. Um, I know being a bit a little bigger role, you know, post-trade, but but to answer your question succinctly, no, I, I don't really have any reservations, but I do understand why maybe people feel a little less confident about KD uh just overall and kind of where he's at the next few years. When you look at then let's presume this trade happens, right? There's a plenty of, of work to be done and, and obviously nothing's imminent. Um, you know, we haven't heard from the 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 big NBA insiders in terms of Shams and, and Woj talking about the Sixers as a destination. But like I said, Ian Begley really, really well plugged in in the New York basketball scene. Uh, let's say that they they make this trade. And let's say the package is is what you mentioned and what uh, Ian mentioned in, in his report as well in terms of Tyrese Maxey. 
Tobias Harris and his what 37, 38 million dollar deal. Uh, you can include Matisse Thibel. Like you mentioned, the pick thing is, is going to be hard to match for the Sixers, just given the fact that they've given up so many, uh, especially in that Harden deal. Uh, looking at this right now, what would your what would your rotation be there? Like you'd have you obviously your starting lineup would be Durant, Embiid, Harden, maybe PJ Tucker, and then your fifth. But how much do you think that impacts the depth of the team? Like you mentioned, they still have the Anthony Melton, they still got PJ Tucker, right? So they got these guys coming in who are going to make differences in terms of giving the team some depth, but is like, how would you want to play this out? If, if that, if you were in doc Rivers' shoes, like how would you want to set the rotation and what would you be looking at in terms of the Sixers being what seven, eight legitimately deep at that point? Yeah. So I think you, your starting five would be Harden, Melton, uh, Katie Tucker and Embiid. And then it's tough to know exactly because, you know, Begley was kind of speculating. Like I said, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying Begley anything wrong. It's just he kind of, there was a vague of like other players and picks, you know, he didn't specify a Paul Reed or George Yang or, mm-hmm. you know, Jade Springer. It was just other players. I think is a fine thing to do. Obviously he was just trying to give us the clearest picture possible, um, but it's tough to know for sure. I mean, you, you, I, w- I would assume at least one of Yang or Paul Reed would be gone. It's also interesting because I don't know, like, I think if the Sixers were the team that were able to pull the trigger and acquire Katie, it would be because Kyrie's staying around. They, they Ben Simmons is back healthy. You know, they traded for Royce O'Neal. They've got Joe Harris, Patty Mills, um, some other guys that they were still trying to be maximized here and now, right? Like then, so you got a guy in Maxi who's very good and helps you bridge that gap. And Tobias, you know, despite making you know superstar money and be more being more of a solid starter, still a guy who can help you win games, right? So, like I think in that case, you'd probably see Niang be gone. You'd probably still have at least one of Reed and and Milton of those guys. So you're probably looking at uh, the starting thought, like I mentioned, and then Milton, let's just say Bival Paul is still around. And then you need some sort of wing depth. I don't know where, I guess you still have Daniel House. So like, that's a fine, like, I think that's a, a pretty good, like it's an excellent rotation. Obviously the back end gets a little shaky, but um, you'd be hoping from, for a leap from, uh, you know, like maybe, maybe Paul Rick can play a little bit of the four and maybe the, and maybe Tucker goes small ball five more often, you know, in the, in the regular season, maybe even KD goes small ball five at times. They, they did that some, at times in, in Brooklyn. Uh, with him and maybe with Golden State at times, I can't recall exactly, but um, that would be kind of my eight would be Melton, Harden, Katie, Tucker, Embiid, Milton, uh, House, and Reed, or Niang, whoever you want to like. Just I think at least one of Reed or Niang with Tilly Brown again. That's just me kind of hypothesizing, but um, that's what we'd be looking at. And then I think, you know, with how good that team would be, the, the idea would be you're going to get at least one or two guys in the buyout market, like we saw with Brooklyn you know, right. A, a couple of years ago when with, with the Lakers have done at times and kind of what these quote unquote super teams have been able to do, right. Is get someone in the buyout market, or maybe you, you pull the trigger on your last, uh, your last kind of future pick or your last like young player still in the fold. Um, and so then you can kind of go to nine or 10 deep for a bit, but that's kind of generally what I think the makeup would be. Jackson, when you, when you look at this potential deal, and again, there's so much stuff yet, like the, I, like I mentioned before, I'm not going to sit here and say this is imminent or this is happening because there's just so much stuff. And and like Frank Isola mentioned, James Harden, Kevin Durant, you know, didn't end things, didn't end well for them in Brooklyn, but apparently they were in London together um, a couple of weeks ago. That's when Durant met with, with the ownership team there, Josiah. Um, but he basically saying, Hey, you know what, Harden? And, and like you mentioned, there's not really any, any contention between the two. And it seems like the goal for both is to win. So if you look at this right now, let's say KD does join the Sixers. Does that put them right at the top of the of the 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 title contenders? Like do you think there's any team that would be able to stop this this roster with given the fact that you have three uh basically MVT MVP part of me type caliber guys on the roster? 
Yeah, I mean, even if Harden's at the level he was last year, right, that's still like a top 20 to 25 guys. He's still three all-stars, which is – and two MVP candidates like Embiid and KD. Obviously, KD is more so when he's healthy just because he's missed a bunch of time, unfortunately, the last couple of years. But, um, yeah, you got to put him right up there. I think they'd be, you know, the favorites in the East. But, um, you know, as we saw in Brooklyn, a lot of stuff can happen. I'm not saying everything would unfold the same way, but Murphy's Law exists for a reason. So you, you wouldn't want to just, like – you know, crown them as the future champions or the, the runaway Eastern Conference title favorites. But um, I think they'd certainly be up top for me in the East. And then overall, it'd be, you know, I think the Bucks are going to be really good again. I think Celtics are going to be awesome. Uh, I think the Warriors will be good. I'm really excited to see what the Clippers do. Um, you know, the Suns, for all their fault, I still think would be a pretty interesting, are going to be a pretty interesting team, depending on how, you know, kind of how Chris Paul's aged, you know, between you know, his last game in May and his next game in October and whatnot. But um, I think it'd be kind of the tier you're looking at. I think a team or two will surprise. Um, you know, I, I don't know, I know anyone in particular necessarily, but um, I think, yeah, you have the Sixers probably at the top of the East and, you know, top two or three team overall. Um, but it's really hard to win in the NBA. You got to have a lot of things go right, even if you have the talent um, to, to be there. So um, I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't start, you know, any, any sort of coronation, but they would be really, really good. And I think what's, what's, what make part of what makes Kevin Durant so enticing to me as a, as a trade can, not just on the Sixers, but in general is what he's done so well in Brooklyn has kind of adapted his game to fit whatever a given lineup offers because the Nets have been so kind of up and or kind of just shuffling us in and out of the rotation, right. The last when he was there for or healthy there for two years. Um, and so sometimes he'll be kind of more defensive anchor. Sometimes he's more facilitator. Sometimes he just blends into that, that scoring role. We saw him do that a lot with Harden where Harden's the one they initiated and he's kind of, kind of off these off ball screens and stuff. So um, I think Katie would blend in really well on whatever the Sixers team would need from him on both ends. And uh, they would be a, a really dominant team. It takes some time to, to work out kind of the kinks of, of that. Um, but yeah, I think they would be really, really good. And I would have them as a top three team headed into the, heading into the year. It'd be, it'd be fascinating to kind of see how that all unfolds and how they, they manage everything. Jackson, like you were saying, it's super hard to win in the NBA. And given the fact, yeah, you, you have Embiid, you have Durant, you have Harden potentially playing together in Philly. One of those guys goes down. It's going to be just tough to win. You know what I mean with the with with the lack of depth there. But again, you still have three of the best, like you mentioned, top 20 players in the NBA. Uh, pretty hard not to be considered a favorite. Uh, one more question for you on the Durant thing, Jackson, before we, before we move on. Looking at the package the Sixers could offer, as you mentioned, can't really do much in terms of the draft picks. That's because the Stepien rule, they're not going to be able to give up uh, too many future assets. And as you mentioned, 2029. Uh, well, we and they're, they're hamstrung too, because Brooklyn has, I think, those pick swaps to Houston yeah. in 24 and 26. So those years, technically, the Sixers could pick swap because they, they own those years, but they couldn't do that because Brooklyn couldn't offer. So they really only have one pick to offer, which does make it quite uh challenging to maneuver anything yeah and that and that's that's where things get dicey i think from a sixers perspective and as i mentioned off the top you have teams like boston who could give up a guy like jalen brown who is in the prime of his career is going to be an all-star for the next at least five or six seasons in my opinion uh they can also give up a lot more picks you have a team like miami would the heat be willing to give up bam at a bio in a in a trade for kevin durant putting him with jimmy butler and Tyler Hero and, and those guys in Miami, or you could look at the Raptors, who from all reports we're hearing that Masai Ujiri a little bit hesitant to include Scotty Barnes in a deal coming off his Rookie of the Year campaign. Uh, when you look at what the Sixers could offer, do you think Brooklyn would even seriously consider that, given the fact that they could, the Nets could really take on any other package from any of those teams? But again, the Durant, the 
the conundrum here is even though Durant has four years left on his deal, if he doesn't want to play, he doesn't have to. So when you look at it right now, like where would you rank the Sixers amongst the potential return that they can give? Yeah. So I think, so one of the things that is helping them is the fact that like, even though Miami, I think has been reportedly not interested in trading Bam, the Nets can't acquire him unless they move Ben Simmons because you can't trade for two guys on designated rookie Mac extensions, which also means they couldn't somehow get the Nets couldn't somehow get involved in a three team Donovan Mitchell deal and land him without moving Ben. So that helps the Sixers in some degrees, but I think the Sixers are kind of at the whim of what Toronto and, uh, and Boston want to do. Um, obviously Jalen Brown is kind of the most, like the best player has been, you know, kind of dangled potentially in these, in these trades. Um, but it's, it's feasible that Boston says, Hey, look, you know, we just got within two games of a championship last year. We added Malcolm Brogdon. We think Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are going to be, uh, you know, a good bit better than they were last year. Let's just run it back. Let's not risk trading, you know, a Derek White, a Marcus Smart, a Jalen Brown, uh, and kind of disrupting chemistry and disrupting this great team we had that was about as dominant as they come over the last, you know, two or three months of the year. I'm not saying that's what I would do, but I don't think it's by any means like implausible that Boston just says, Hey, we don't want to move. We don't want to do that. Um, and they, and Jalen Brown's not available, or at least Jalen Brown in conjunction with the other stuff that Brooklyn kind of, you know, draws a line. It seems like Scotty Barnes hasn't been made available. And in that case, I don't think like an OG Ananobi, Gary, Gary Trent Jr. package is like, miles different than like a, a Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey deal. Um, I think Maxey would be like kind of the most promising young player among those four. Obviously, you know, Tobias is kind of more of just like a, he is, he kind of is who he is at this point for the most part. He's kind of an established player, which I don't mean as a slight, just it's kind of the way it is. Um, you look at the Suns, you know, with Aiton not being able to be traded for a little while, Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson, neither of those young guys are more enticing long-term than Tyrese Maxey. And I don't think either one, it's necessarily like he, miles better than, than Maxi currently, obviously very different roles. So it's tough to compare, but um, I really just think it could depend. Like I said, it depends on what Toronto and Boston are willing to offer. If Scotty Barnes and Jalen Brown uh, are available, then it's tough for the Sixers to kind of get involved there. But if, uh, if, if Scotty isn't available and maybe the, the in Boston isn't willing to sacrifice some of it's too much of its guard depth or throwing a Grant Williams along with Derek White or things like that, um, then it becomes a little hazier, but I still think Boston has the best package. It does seem like at the very least, Jalen Brown, Derek White are available. And I think that's a pretty good package. Um, you know, and then with some, with some picks, it's definitely a better package than the, than the Sixers. But, um, I, I, like I guess earlier, I could understand if, if Brooklyn's like, Hey, Kyrie staying, we got Ben Simmons back. We've got a lot of win now players. Like we're not that interested in picks right now. Um, you know, let's just take a couple of win now guys and, and go from there. But, even then, I think Boston has a better package of like I think Jalen Brown and and Derek White is a better package than Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris. And then obviously, like I said, Boston, as we said, Boston can offer way more picks. So um, it's really tough for me to see Philadelphia get to the top of the ladder here. But like I said, it, it's not by any means like untenable. It's just they just are kind of more reliant on other teams decisions than you'd like to be in a, in a sweepstakes like this. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and again, there's, there's a lot left to play out here. Um, it just in terms on the Durant front. And, and like you're saying, if he wants to strong arm his way to Philly, they can find a way to get the deal done. But there's obviously he has a short list of teams he's he's willing to suit up for next season. The Sixers, the Celtics, the Heat, we've heard uh, likely Phoenix out now after the De- DeAndre Ayton deal. But again, the the fact that he's there and the 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 want to possibly play in Philly 
is something that Kevin Durant feels. I think that's a great sign for the Sixers. And as Ian Begley mentioned, that high-ranking executives, we're assuming that includes Daryl Morey as well, uh, basically are looking at, hey, man, we can get this deal done. we got to get it. Even though, don't get me wrong, I think the Sixers would have maybe have a three, four-year window to get that championship with those three guys in the roster in terms of Harden, Embiid, and possibly KD. Um, again, you, you have to sacrifice the long-term for the short-term if, if you get a chance to go all-in for a title. Uh, Jackson, wanted to jump into a couple more things, mainly on the James Harden front. Bobby Marks of ESPN had some pretty interesting comments on, on his beliefs on what he's expecting from Harden for next season. We'll jump into that after a short break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we are back, Jackson. I uh, just wanted to ask you quickly here on the on the James Harden front. You wrote this a really good piece on how Harden can improve in terms of finishing at the rim. We saw him lack the athleticism, the type of burst that we were used to seeing him kind of display when he was with the Rockets, winning MVPs and scoring 35 points a game. Uh, I don't think anybody's expecting that in terms of people who follow the team closely. Although, like I mentioned, Bobby Mark saying he's expecting a top three MVP type uh, season from Harden next year. Do you think that's actually possible at this point of his career? Like I mentioned, turning through 33 years old in a couple of weeks here, um, given the fact that we've seen his game fall off just a little bit. He's still a very, very good, uh, definite all-star caliber guy in the NBA. But what do you think, like when you hear people like Bobby Mark say that, is that something that just like too far-fetched? Or are you looking at that and like, hey, if things go really well, we could possibly see that level of play from Harden? Yeah, I think I think top three MVP season feels like a bridge too far. I like I've been on the record, you know, dating back converse, like even I think even before the Sixers uh traded for Harden that like I thought he could have a resurgent next season just with more time to kind of rehab his his hamstring and play again in the offseason. But top three feels tough. Like I just I just like I, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule it out because as I've covered the NBA more, I I try to kind of always entertain kind of any sort of uncertainty or any sort of possibility happening. But that feels a bridge too far to me, I think like what would be a very good outcome would elevate the Sixers a half a tier or maybe a, into the next, just like where they need to be to really kind of contend for a title and make it be on the second round would be that seven to 10 range of player versus the 21 to 25 range. I think he was at last year. Um, so top three feels overly optimistic for me. I won't rule it out because I think it's worth considering kind of any possibility in the NBA, but it's not one that I'm banking on or like, you know, like on my, like on my, you know, uh, on the edge of my seat, expecting anything with that. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it'll be more kind of in that. I think it would be better than that last year, but somewhere in that seven to 15 range, which I think you could divide into two tiers, but I'm, I'm, I'm playing a little bit coy because I don't know exactly where I land yet. Um, but I, I would skew closer to, to 10 than I would to 15. But again, it's probably splitting hairs a little bit, but definitely not top three. 
in terms of numbers, Jackson, what are you looking at would be considered a successful year for Harden? If you look at the job that he did with the Sixers after the t- trade uh, from Brooklyn, he only ended up playing in 21 games. I missed that first week, obviously, with the hamstring stuff. Then we got into the All-Star break. Uh, but he looked pretty good. 21 points, averaged more than 10.5 assists. His numbers did fall off a little bit in the playoffs. But what would you consider a successful season from Harden? And at this point, you know, let's just say the KD thing doesn't happen. Um, and obviously, again, we don't know what the chances are, how close that, that could even become in terms of uh, a potential trade working between Brooklyn and Philly. But when you look at Harden being the second or possibly third best player on this team, depending on what happens with Tyrese Maxey, what would you consider a successful year for him? Well, man, if 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 Harden is rendered the third best player because of Tyrese Maxey, I think would be I would bank on them being in a really good spot. Because I think it would it would signal a, a rise from action and then a dramatic drop off from Harden. But I think, and I talked about this on Sean Kennedy's podcast last week. I think the biggest thing the Sixers need is just for him to be able to scale up his scoring volume at times, rather than like you know there were a few games last year, right, where he had big scoring explosion. You think back to Game Four against the Six against the Heat, that one against Milwaukee. I think he had an awesome game um against uh Dallas where I don't think he shot them I don't think he had more than like 24 25 points but he was getting to his spots really comfortably and those games kind of felt like like not luxuries those games kind of felt like a like he could only do it at this time whereas you need him to be able to do that at all times right like you need him if Embiid's having a slow game or Tobias starts 0-4 from three or Maxi is getting clamped by some length and size that Harden kind of say okay it's my turn let me get to my spot so let me let me have a 29 point game here every you know every week or so rather than every three weeks which is kind of what it felt like when he was the Sixers so last year I should say so um, just being able to scale up his scoring volume kind of whenever necessary rather than it than him only being physically able once every three weeks kind of it being a rarity that you know, that we could count on one hand. Right. So I think back to when he got traded to the Nets last year and, or two years ago, I should say, uh, before the injury and his scoring numbers went down a lot and his passing was still there, but that was because he was playing with Kyrie and KD and he could kind of just pick and choose his spots where the Sixers don't have that secondary score of, of a Kyrie's caliber. And so they need Harden to be that guy. And last year he wasn't, that was part of the reason they only you know made it the second round again. So just a, a matter of, being able to scale up that scoring whenever the Sixers need him, when whenever he is physically able to or up to the task. Jackson, we'll wrap up on this, and and you know I I think Harden will have a bounce back year. I think that Maxi's ascension into being an All Star caliber guy might happen in year three, might happen in year four, but I think he's definitely going to get there. So that'll help alleviate some of the scoring pressure off of Harden. But Jackson, when you look at where the Sixers stand. And like I said, we haven't done a podcast together in like six and a half, seven weeks. So I have asked people this question before, but want to get your opinion on it because you do such a good job covering the league as a whole, uh, as well as the Sixers for, for Liberty Ballers. But when you look at, as things stand, let's say this is the roster the Sixers go into opening night with and likely would be the roster unless they can, you know, they have some wiggle room to add some pieces during the regular season, but I don't think anybody of significance, it'll be some depth guys. Uh, let's say this is the the roster. You got Embiid, Harden, Maxi at the top. Then you got Tobias Harris, PJ Tucker. You mentioned DeAnthony Melton, uh, George Niang, Matisse Thybul. However, they want to run their rotations. Daniel House, obviously, as well. Where do you put the Sixers in the Eastern Conference pecking order now, as things stand? Because we saw this during the playoffs. There was a gap in terms of depth. I think high end talent. The Sixers are right there with Embiid being the guy that he is, but they just didn't have it to stick with Miami. Although again, uh, Joel did miss the first two games of that series, but you look at teams like uh, Boston and Milwaukee and interesting to see what happens with Brooklyn yet, but where would you put the Sixers with their roster as is compared to the heavyweights in the East? Yeah. So I, I like, 
I think Brooklyn, like if they ran everything back, I think they could be really good and right at the top, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's just untenable. So for anyone who's you know listening and wondering about Brooklyn, like I just don't really include them in this stuff. I have Boston at the top, and then I think Philadelphia could be as high as two. I think like I think Milwaukee is better, but like Milwaukee also is like it has an, more of an aging roster. I think a little bit. You look at guys like uh, you know like a, a Brook Lopez is coming back for another year. You know Chris Middleton just turned thirty. Wesley Matthews is thirty five, and he was pretty important them last year. Drew Holiday is thirty two, thirty three. Um, you know, George Hill is 36, 37. I know George Hill and Javon Carter kind of split time and Javon Carter might've been the more preferred guy, but, um, I was still Milwaukee above Philadelphia, but I can see a world. I kind of think that they're in the same tier. Now the Sixers have some of their own aging guys with Harden and, and whatnot. And Tobias thinks the same age as, as Chris Milton and obviously, you know, lesser player, but, um, right in that range. And I think Miami will be the next, um, Miami, I think, you know, has maybe a little more upward mobility than, maybe than the six or maybe just youth mobility because of the fact that they have bam out of bio and Tyler hero still there. Um, but that's kind of my two through four range. I could see it going in any which way and maybe Boston takes a step back too, um, just a little bit, just because maybe, maybe Al Horford is, is a little worse than last year. Maybe Marcus smart doesn't repeat his career year, things like that. Again, this is just me kind of thinking about how everything could shake out. Um, but I still expect Boston to be the top dog, Milwaukee close behind, and then the Sixers and Heat kind of trailing. But I have a small kind of delineation after the Sixers at three. Uh, I just think Miami is going to be a little behind there. Obviously, they lost P.J. Tucker. They didn't really replace it with anything. Um, so I worry a bit there. But, yeah, I would have the Sixers kind of in that two to four range. Um, but I wouldn't shock, be shocked if they end up anywhere from like one to five overall in the conference in the regular season. Um, but definitely, I think this is definitely the best – uh, roster of the Joel Embiid era because yes, they might have been better when they had Jimmy, but Joel was also a notable worst player, and, and that should factor in for sure. Uh, one more, Jackson. Now that you know, here news because I'm with you too. I have I have Boston and Milwaukee at the at the top of the heap, and again, the Bucks were missing Chris Middleton, arguably their second best player uh, for the end of their playoff run there. So they'll be back, and and obviously Giannis, the guy's a freak. He's going to be better next season than he already was this year. Uh, who knows what wrinkle he's going to add to his game in the off season? But if there's one area of concern for you with the Sixers in terms of trying to reach that level, trying to get to where Boston and Milwaukee are in terms of the Eastern Conference pecking order, where do you think the Sixers are still lacking going into the season with this roster? Yeah, I think, like, I think they did pretty well to shore up their wing depth, kind of in the sense that, like, having guys that can defend two to two to four. Um, you know, I think you know Matisse can do that, Danny Melton can do that, PJ Tucker, Daniel House. You kind of feel pretty solid there, but I still do have some worries at, at, at ball handler. Um, you know, I don't really want Shake doing that. You know, as optimistic as I am about Maxi, it's not you know, implausible that maybe he gets better in different areas and aren't necessarily on ball creation. And as optimistic as I do feel about Harden being better than last year, there's a chance he still isn't quite as good as you need him to be as your lead kind of your, your point guard there in terms of kind of making everything happen all the time. So, um, that, you know, and, you know, I've talked about it, maybe written about, it. I don't like Anthony Melton having many ball handling reps, just not really his game decision-making isn't there that kind of the, the pull-up jumper hasn't been there. So, um, that would be kind of my biggest concern. But like, but I think that could, like I said, that could be alleviated by Harden being better, Maxi taking a step as an on-ball creator. Um, but those are things that you're trying to kind of trying to bake in, right? Like you, you're projecting growth. Whereas with the wing depth, it's like, okay, they they signed Tucker, they signed House, they signed Melton. You can expect those guys to be, you know, good play, good solid players in their roles. Um, whereas, like I said, the ball handling thing, you're expecting some growth from guys, which could happen, and I think most it, it's it's plausible, but maybe even likely. But um, you're still banking on kind of an unknown. 
being remedied a little bit of that, if that makes sense. No, I get you. I get you. And, and I think that's that's something that, that I think the Sixers are going to have to look at. And again, they have about three and a half million dollars of wiggle room where if Daryl Morey isn't liking the way certain things are are kind of going for the team in, in terms of maybe it's the three-point shooting, maybe it's the athleticism, whatever it is, they are going to have some options to make some additions during the regular season. Jackson, let's wrap things up here. I want to thank you for joining me uh, on this podcast, and I know we'll be doing this a lot more during the regular season. And of course, I appreciate you going six weeks without talking to me because I know how much you were looking forward to it as well. <laughs> yeah, happy to, happy to be here. And I'm, I'm sure uh, we'll be talking uh, increasingly more. I'm sure we won't go six weeks again without uh, without discussing the Sixers on here. No, yeah, we're getting we're getting close to camp. That's coming up in about six weeks. And and so looking forward to that as well. That'll do it for this episode. As I mentioned off the top, don't forget, subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Always appreciate a five-star review as well. Sean will be back with the Talking About Podcast on Thursday. It's going to release a day early, given everything we've heard about Kevin Durant. And the Gastro Crew will be back on Sunday as well. Uh, so again, don't forget, subscribe to us. And also check us out at libertyballers.com.